we're working our way through the book of Revelation, which is kind of an ambitious undertaking. And uh, tonight, how God protects his church from the hour of his wrath. There are two multitudes that are described in Revelation chapter 7. Last week, we were working our way through the opening of those seals. Do you remember the important point? I said there was a very important point to remember in the book of Revelation about the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. Anybody remember what it was? Let me just see your hand. So the idea was, it's not seven seals, then seven trumpets, then seven bowls. The idea is you have seven seals, and in the seventh seal you have the seven trumpets, and in the seventh trumpet, you have the seven bowls of God's wrath. In other words, you have not a time sequence, but a stacking up of events. And that's really important because it's hard otherwise to explain why you have the second coming happening three or four different times in the book of Revelation. It's because of the nature of the visions that John gets, looking at it from different angles and different perspectives. All that's online. You can, you can check all that out. I won't go into it all again. Chapter 7. I'm going to read a longer text than I normally would in a, in a sermon, but I want you to get the flow of this chapter. So just follow along. And if you see your neighbor starting to doze off, just give him an elbow or something. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who have been given power to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees. So there's these four angels standing, the earth is in this vision, pictured like a square with an angel at each corner, holding back the winds of God's wrath. And this angel speaks out and says, wait. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. You've heard this talked about since you were a kid, probably. Verse 4. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000... Gad, 12,000 Asher, 12,000 Naphtali, 12,000 Manasseh, 12,000 Simeon, 12,000 Levi, 12,000 Issachar, 12,000 Zebulun, 12,000 Joseph, 12,000 Benjamin. These were sealed. Verse 9, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in long white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me. So John has, has in this vision, this elder talking to him. One of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these? Clothed in white robes. 
and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. That's John's way of saying, I don't know, you, you tell me. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. That's where that old gospel song comes from. Remember, drinking at the springs of living. My mother used to have the melody for her singing that song. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So the opening of the first six seals. We looked at that the last two Sunday nights. They have portrayed the course of this whole age leading up to the end of the age and the outpouring of God's wrath on Satan, Antichrist, those who receive their mark and follow their ways. So the stage is now set for this close-up view of the events of the tribulation itself. In other words, the seven trumpets zero in on the events of the sixth seal. If you looked at that, it was in chapter 6, this opening of the sixth seal, working progressively through the whole age. And the sixth seal is open. And when he opened the sixth seal, this is Revelation 6, 12. When he opened the sixth seal, try and say that fast. I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. The stars fell from the sky to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Let me get to the stars. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. And then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Yeah, remember this morning reading from Brian Zahn's book, Jesus is just love, no wrath. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. For the great day of their wrath has come. So this is the end. It's portrayed at the end of the seven seals. It's portrayed at the end of the seven trumpets. It's portrayed again at the end of the seven bowls. So the seventh seal is opened after this description of the end in the sixth seal. The seventh is opened and strangely, no specific judgment is tied to it. Because the seventh seal, as I said, it contains the seven trumpets. Look at 8, 1 and 2. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, what do you get? There's silence in heaven. There's, there's no actual event when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets. Now you're going to get into the seven trumpets. So this second series of seven trumpets reveals uh, 
an intensification now, a speeding up of events, getting closer and closer to the very end. That's what you have as the trumpets begin to sound. So 6, chapter 6, it ends. The great day of their wrath has come, and there's this question. Who can stand? Who indeed? If God's wrath is going to be poured out on this whole earth, this holy God, who's, who's going to be able to bear it? That's the question, these two visions. There are two visions in chapter 7. Between the last seal and the sounding of the first trumpet where the events of God's wrath intensify, you get this pause. Silence, 8, 1 and 2 says. And there are these two visions in chapter 7. Two visions dealing with sealing of 144,000. Tribes are mentioned. And then the second vision in chapter 7 is this multitude from every tribe and every nation. Now, these two groups, we're going to talk about them, they are protected. Remember at the beginning, there's these four angels. The wrath of God at each corner of this square. And this angel cries out and says, wait, something has to happen first. And then you get the vision of these two protected groups, 144,000, they're both in chapter 7, and this multitude from every tribe and nation. God's mercy is going to be revealed in these two visions. We have no way of even imagining. So we've, wherever your knowledge level of Bible prophecy is, but we've been We've been, the church has been dabbling around in Bible prophecy from Hal Lindsey days to all the Left Behind novels to guys on TV with their charts showing you every nation and every date and every battle and every situation. And the church has had always all sorts of opinions. My point is, we've been looking at these end time events one way or another for a long time, fascinated with them. That's not John. John is on the island of Patmos. He is for the very, very first time that anybody's heard of it he's getting this vision of the end of time and it's, it's just hard to imagine the impact this would have had more than once if I were John more than once this, this question must have boiled up in his hearts how, how can these things be What's going to happen to the church? This is what John is called to, to digest. So there's these two visions. Something God is going to do in terms of protecting. Point number one. The vision of the 144,000 and the ceiling for their protection from the wrath of God. So this vision comes kind of as a, an interruption in the sequence between the sixth and seventh seals. The sixth seal opens up the outpouring of God's wrath right at the end of the age, and things look bleak and frightening. Who can stand? Seven opens up with a picture of the whole earth, presented in this picture of a square, the angels holding back the four winds of God's wrath until... Until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads, 
So the purpose of this sealing is, is made even more clear if you were to jump ahead in the book of Revelation after the sounding of the fifth trumpet. There's this, there's this plague. John sees what look like locusts over all the earth. But the infliction of the plague isn't universal. 9.4 says, it only falls on those who have not the seal of God on their foreheads. Interesting, isn't it? When you read that, locusts and a plague coming, but not on everybody, only on certain people. What story in the Bible do you think of? Don't you think of Egypt? It's exactly what I think of. Israel wasn't removed from Egypt, but over and over again, God protected Israel from the plagues that he sent to torment Egypt. And I believe God's going to perform that same kind of miracle again. Point number two. I'm trying to rush on here. Here's the money question. Who are the 144,000? Some people have probably knocked on your door not that long ago. They used to be the 144,000 until there were more than 144,000 of them. Opinions vary greatly. In terms of evangelicals, there are two main opinions. The 144,000 re refers to a future salvation of the Jews. The other view is the 144,000 are kind of a symbolic picture of the church. And in typical fashion, my own opinion is neither one of those works very well. I don't think it's possible to say these 144,000 are just a picture of the church. I mean, it, it might be possible, except that you have all those details of each tribe of Israel named. 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000. It just seems strange to me that John is given these details identifying the 144,000 going through all the tribes of Israel specifically. Why the detailed description of the tribes? If it's just a picture of the church, why not just describe them as being people, like the second vision, people from every tribe and every nation. That, that makes sense to me for a church. This first vision describes in fair detail the Jewish background. Having said that, I don't think it works very well just to make this ceiling of 144,000 refer exclusively to some future claiming salvation of the Jewish people. First of all, because the text makes it clear that these 144,000 are already servants of God before they are sealed. They are, they are believers. They are not sealed to be saved. They are sealed as a form of protection because they already are saved. Pastor Don, why are you doing this to us? Who is this crowd? And everyone has their opinion. Here's mine. I say everyone has their opinion because John doesn't get an identity for these people in his vision. Just 144,000 sealed. I believe the 144,000 represents the entire church with a special emphasis on the inclusion of Jews who will come to Christ in the last days. So I think the 144,000 are the church, as long as by the church you mean 
the new Israel, spiritual Israel, the whole people of God, including all those Jews who are going to, Paul says, be, be drawn in on the last day. Somewhere, somehow, sometime, before this sealing takes place, we know there will be a massive turning of Jewish people to the Messiah. Paul talks about it in Romans 11. Romans 11, if you jump in, say at 25, lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written, and he goes on. So, so I believe, I'm not a dispensationalist, but I believe that God still has a special work to do among the Jewish people. I believe many will return to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and then before the wrath of God is poured out, all these people, Jews and Gentiles, the whole people of God. Paul talks about one body now, the division between Jew and Gentile broken down. The people of God will be protected, sealed. It's like the revelation of, of this eternal city coming down. It's called the New Jerusalem. Paul says, Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. That's the idea I'm, I'm getting at here. So it's not picking between Jew and Gentile. Romans 2, 28, 29, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. The circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. So, so we know that this kind of imagery of the church was the understanding the Apostle John had, even while on the island of Patmos. We know it from the vision. Remember in the early weeks of this study, we went through the letters to the seven churches? Anybody remember that? He says in, in Revelation 2.9 and then 3.9, as the Lord looks at these churches, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews, but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, that's a strange phrase. And then look at 3.9. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow before your feet. So twice John Hears of those who say they're Jews but are not. I, I don't believe this means these people were lying about their ethnicity. It means they weren't part of true Israel, the people of God. Uh, it means they were of Jewish descent, but that didn't make them true Israel. They weren't followers of God, they were followers of Satan. Okay, so John's first vision, chapter 7. The angels holding back the wrath of God until these people, Jews and Gentiles, the complete spiritual Israel, the church of God made up of Jew and Gentile. Okay, point number three. Why are these people numbered? <laughs> Why are they numbered at exactly 144,000? There are a lot of guesses. People have to guess because, if we're honest, John isn't told why they get that particular number. 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe. 12 twelves, 144,000. My guess, 
Well, commentators, first of all, say that 12-12 is a multiple, a picture of completeness. That may be true. Let me just give you another thought that I haven't seen in print anywhere. How, how did John know? Think about this. Okay, so John gets this vision. How did John know there were 144,000 separately sealed people? I mean, certainly he didn't have time to count. He didn't, he didn't check the math. So obviously he was, he was told that number or he was shown. He was shown the number 144, 144,000. Why such a specific number? My thinking is, you'll get a good answer to that question if you jump ahead to the book of Revelation farther in, just for a minute. If you were to look at Revelation 14, we'll get here, Revelation 14 eventually, but if you were to look at it, you would, you would read these words. And then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000. So he looks, okay, he gets a picture, he sees Mount Zion, and he sees the lamb, and he sees, get this, he sees 144,000 people around. How, how does he know? If I show you a vision of 25,000 people, can you just look at it and say, uh, 25,000? So here's John, there's this vision, Mount Zion, the Lamb, and 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. The, the, the voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one, no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. So here you have the 144,000, the same that are sealed in chapter 7, only now we see them jumping ahead in time. It views the crowd, the 144,000, after the tribulation. So here is a vision that looks at this same multitude and they're gathered joyously around the throne with the Lamb. And they sing their praises. And it's exactly 144,000. The same number exactly that were sealed and protected. I would, be, I would be so, so disappointed if when we got to Revelation 14, if John saw, and I saw 143,996 singing around the throne of God. That would just break my heart. Because one of the missing... Could it, could it be a family member? Could it be a close friend? Could it be me? 
And I think the reason John is given this specific number is he will see this crowd again long after the events of Revelation 7 where they're initially sealed. He will see that crowd again in vision form after all the fury of the tribulation. He will see them after Satan and Antichrist and the false prophet have done their very worst. He will see this same crowd again after the dreadful wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb is poured out on the earth. And guess what? All those who are sealed are there, every one of them. Nobody lost. God knows how to keep his people, church. God knows how to keep his people. Four. There's another vision that he sees in chapter 7. Very quickly. It says, these come out of every tribe and nation and people of the earth. And John is told something very important about this multitude. We're given actually more details than we are in the first vision. We know who these people are. It's in chapter 7, just the four verses, 13 through 17. One of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is the only reference that I'm aware of, of things being washed in the blood of the Lamb. We sing the song, Are You Washed in the Blood? And you would think it's all over the Bible. In fact, I think this is the only time it's talked about. They have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. And the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. David had no idea how long term this was going to be when he said, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every week I get asked, who are those 24 elders around the throne? We've encountered them several times. And there's all sorts of interpretations. A very common interpretation, we'll see them as the raptured church. Check the, check the notes in the NIV study Bible. They actually say that's who this is. Incredible to me, but they do. One reason I have a bit of a hard time with that is whenever these elders speak, 5, 8 to 10, 7, 13 to 16, there seems to be a concerted effort on their part to separate themselves from the redeemed throng. There's a they, them. There's a, there's a, a separation, a distance. Probably, probably, no one knows for sure, some kind of angelic being But these closing words of chapter 7, they reveal something else really illuminating and really important. In chapter 7, there's this vision that John sees, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a futuristic, farther into the future vision that sees this multitude as though the tribulation has already taken place. It's in 15, 16, and 17 of chapter 7. I think, I think that this description lines up 
with the description of the future reign of Jesus Christ in glory, the way it's described in Revelation 22, 1 to 5, where the angel showed me the river of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. It's the same kind of picture. So here's my opinion. These two visions in chapter 7 are actually different ways of looking at the same multitude. John is shown the same group. It happens over and over again. The same group, but from two different perspectives. The first vision, the 144,000, shows before the tribulation, God preparing, God planning, God sealing these people for the tribulation that's to come. The second vision shows the same group, but pictures them at the conclusion of the tribulation. They've been spared the wrath of God, but they have not been spared the persecution of Satan and Antichrist. Many have been martyred, the text says, but none of them has been lost. Get your phone, Mark. Large pepperoni, salami. I frequently talk, and I'm almost done. I frequently talk to Christians who are shocked when they, when they, they hear someone say that, that, that the church will be here, be spared the wrath of God, but not the wrath of Satan and Antichrist and persecution. I had a lady just, just this past week, and she said, uh, you know, I can't see any purpose why God would allow his own people to be persecuted by Satan. I had two responses. One I didn't use because I thought it might be a bit abrupt. The one I didn't use was, I really don't think God cares whether you see a purpose in it or not. But I didn't think that would be pastoral. You're going to hear about prayer requests tonight. It's a goofy North American phenomena that that we actually think that there could be, how could, how could God possibly allow his church to suffer at the hands of, of Satan, to be persecuted? And, and, it's, and it's like, it's like we, we don't even understand anymore. Do you know this past year, by the time December comes, different estimates from different organizations but a lot of them will say about 200,000 Christians will be martyred. About 200,000 Christians will be martyred. There are all sorts of places on earth where if you went and said to them, you know, I just can't understand why any Christian would have to go through tribulation and persecution and martyrdom, they would say, well, yeah, but that's because you live in Newmarket. All over the world this is happening. And the plain truth is, God gets incredible glory when people don't just sing, you alone are better than life, like we did tonight. It's easy, isn't it? You alone are better than life, than anything. Than... It's another thing when you have to give up your life. Right? Nothing reveals your treasure like that. So Peter will say stuff like, Beloved, 
Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. But rejoice, sure, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So, there's chapter 7. Wrath of God about to be portrayed more vividly with the, op- the sounding of the seven trumpets and the pause and the sealing of the people of God and then the picture of the same group at the close of the tribulation and you know what? They're all protected. God didn't fail. God accomplished his work and he gets all the glory. Everyone sad? <laughs>